As you know, we're talking about how to be stable in an unstable world. And we're moving now on to the area of having covenant confidence. Confidence in our covenant with God. And to be confident in this covenant that we have with God, there must also be a covenant-mindedness on our part. For First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 15 says to us that we are to be always mindful of His covenant, the word which He has commanded to a thousand generations. We have a covenant with God. I want you to notice something in Ephesians, the second chapter, and the 11th and the 12th verses this morning. We see something that Paul was dealing with when he was writing to the church at Ephesus. And of course, what belongs to the church at Ephesus belongs to the church in the Bay Area. <laughs> Ephesians, the second chapter, <clears throat> and the 11th, I believe, and the 12th verse states, Wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, you were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the uncircumcisions in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Before we were born again, we lived in a hopeless situation. We lived in a hopeless world. But I'm thanking God today that we are no longer foreigners. We are no longer strangers. But you and I have been brought into the family of God that has a covenant-keeping God whose promises are sure, whose word is forever settled, who always causes us to triumph as we stand on His word. Look at verse 19. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. So, we are no longer on the outside looking in. We are on the inside abiding in Him. Abiding in Him, His Word abiding in us, His entrance of His Word giving light, letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, becoming infinitely more acquainted and deeply, deeply acquainted with the Word of this covenant. Be mindful, thinking the thoughts of God. Amen? Everyone say, I am being covenant-minded. And so this covenant consciousness, this awareness of what His Word says, ought to rise up on the inside of you in whatever situation you face in life. Another way we could say it is this is whatever you may be facing, the first thing that ought to come to mind is what does my covenant say? What does the Word say? 
See, medical science does not have the final word. Wall Street does not have the final word. Your mom and dad don't have the final word. What the kids told you on the playground don't have the final word. The final word is in the word. Medical science may come and say, well, this is it, you know. Your life's going to be over with very shortly. Don't receive the witness of men. Receive the witness of God. Because the witness of God is greater than the witness of men. Amen? So what I'm saying is, let His Word and let the leading of the Spirit of God have full sway and final authority in whatever you may face. And to get to that place, you've got to be well familiar with the articles of your covenant. You've got to be well familiar with your rights and privileges as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen? See, as Americans, as U.S. citizens, we have certain rights. We have certain privileges. Well, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have certain rights and certain privileges. And my Bible says that he has, through the exceeding great and precious promises, given you and me all things that pertain to this life and to the next life. And he said, if you will become familiar with these, these precious promises will cause you to escape what is in this world through lust. You will be able, I like to call it the great escape. You'll be able to escape tragedy. You'll be able to escape going down the tubes because God is on your side and you got a covenant with him. Turn back to Genesis 17 now. Genesis, the 17th chapter. Thank you, Lord. He said, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, think about it. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I'm going to make my, what? Make my covenant between me and you. And I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. So we see that there is increase in the covenant. And Abram fell on his face and said, yep, me too. I received this covenant and I'm going into covenant with you. Verse 4, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And thou shalt become a father of many nations. And then he changed his name. He said, neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram. But thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations I've made you. And he said, look, I'm going to make you exceeding fruitful. He didn't just say fruitful. He says, I'm going to go beyond fruitfulness and it's going to go into the exceeding. And I will make nations of you. Woo, glory to God. And he says, kings are going to come out of you. Well, I don't know whether I've introduced him to you or not, but you're looking at King Mark. Hallelujah. If your name is King James, your name is King James. 
I know they call LeBron James, you know, King James. But if you're a born again child of the living God, you have been made a king and priest unto God. You can walk around saying, I'm a king in the eyes of God. Kings, he said, are going to come out of you. And now here's what I want you to see, verse 7. And I will establish my covenant. It's going to be not only between me and you, but your seed after you, not just in the next generation to come, not just in Isaac and in Jacob, but in Bob and Sue and Tom and Bertie and John and P.T., And whatever your name may be, if you're a born-again child of God, you're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And you have a covenant with God. Verse 7. I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you and thy seed after thee in their generations. Now notice this. For an everlasting covenant. The question is, How can you be so confident, Pastor Mark? How can I be so confident that what's happening in the world isn't going to happen to me? Because you've got an everlasting covenant. Thank you, Lord. This everlasting covenant, I'll be a God unto you and to thy seed after thee. Now let's look over at Galatians chapter 3. Did you all wear your shouting clothes this morning? I feel a Holy Ghost shout coming on. How about you? Galatians, the third chapter. An everlasting God. An everlasting covenant. Galatians, the third chapter. Notice with me in verse 13. It says here, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now notice verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that you and I might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now let's ask ourselves, what did God promise Abraham? He said, I'm going to make you fruitful. He said, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And what is mine, Abraham, is now yours. What is yours, Abraham, is now mine. And my covenant that I'm making with you, Abraham, is unbreakable. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to defend you. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going to cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. Well, notice verse 29. This should cause some rejoicing in your hearts. Verse 29 says, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? Oh, come on now. And heirs. (laughs) Hallelujah. And heirs according to the promise. What is the promise? The promise is blessed coming in and blessed going out. Blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed to be the head and not the tail. Blessed to be above and not beneath. Blessed shall be your children. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Blessed, blessed, blessed. (laughs) 
If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and you are an heir according to the promise. Oh, man. We could just camp right there for a little while. Now, here's what happens. The more confidence you have in your covenant and the more covenant-minded you become and the more persuaded and convinced you become of this, the more unshakable your life is. The devil may come as a roaring lion, but he may not devour you. Why? Because we are steadfastly trusting in the God of covenant. Now look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews the 6th chapter, and I'm going to have to read this from the New Living Translation. And this is really, really good. See, the enemy is coming against your mind. He's coming against your soul. Your soul and your mind is where he wants to bring his thoughts and his suggestions and his images of failure. Amen. His images of rejection. His images of insecurity. His images of an early grave. Come on. His images of you being homeless. All those images are images that are counter God. Those are anti-Christ. Those images do not belong in the soul of a believer. Those images belong under our soul. Did you get that? Under our feet. And that's why he says we are to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God or the covenant of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of the anointed one and his anointing. Amen? But that's not my responsibility to do that for you. That is not your responsibility to do that for me. It is our responsibility to become so fully persuaded in our covenant that when the pressure comes, what comes out of us is covenant talk and covenant word. Amen? And so that's why, you know, we have such a, I guess you would call it, such a strong emphasis on knowing the word for yourself. You know, we talked a little bit last week about knowing the author of the word and how that grace and peace would be multiplied unto you through the knowledge or the epinosis of God. Amen. But in knowing the God of the word, you must also become firmly, firmly uh, settled in the word of God. Now, notice with me in Hebrews chapter six, verse 13 And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation right on uh, through verse 20 or verse 819. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. We read that, right? Are you here, class? Okay. Since there was since there was no one greater to swear by. I love this. God took an oath in his own name. Saying, I will certainly bless you. That's covenant talk. And I'm going to multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, 
They call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. I don't know whether you've had the unpleasant uh, experience of having to get a lawyer between you and another party to hold the other party to what they said they were going to do. Well, by the way, we live in a society of covenant breakers. But oh, thank God, through our blood covenant, his covenant will never be broken. You don't have to run back and forth like Pastor Tom said at the end of the service last time. You don't have to run back and forth to get some lawyer to cover for you. God's not a man that he should lie. He has made an oath and he has sworn it in his blood. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promises could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Look at your neighbor and say, covenant confidence. I didn't ask you to slap him. I just said, look at your neighbor. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for our father to lie. Therefore, you and I have fled to him for our refuge. Aren't you glad he's your refuge? And as a result, we have great confidence as we hold To the hope that lies before us. Hope is a confident, favorable expectation of something coming to pass based on the fact that someone said something. Amen? So we have laid hold on this hope that lies before us. Now here's what I want you to see. This hope is a strong and trustworthy Anchor for your soul. That to me spells stability. If you want to be stable in an unstable world, become single minded where this blood covenant is concerned, and all hell may come your way and try to knock you out of your boat. But because you're anchored in the covenant of God, you will not be swayed. Amen. So our responsibility then is to keep doubt out. Say it with me. I'm keeping doubt. I'm keeping it out. Don't entertain doubt. Now, doubts come to all of us, right? Look with me at James chapter 1 and verse 8. Here's what happens when, when people yield to doubt and start entertaining Things that are anti-Christ and anti-covenant. There comes instability in their lives. In James chapter 1 and verse 8, he says this. A double-minded man. What is he? Double-minded. The word double there is duo. It's to have two minds. It's to have a portion of your soul set on him. But then the trouble comes and then your soul shifts over to that. It's like a wave of the sea. 
driven with the wind and tossed. One day up, one day down, the next day almost leveled to the ground. But in James 1.8, he says this, a double-minded man, he isn't unstable in some of his ways, but he's unstable in all of his ways. Duo, changing your mind. And so I believe a main key to stability is to be single-minded. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 22. Paul addressed this when he said in the book of Colossians, he said, For even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit. I'm rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Faith in your covenant will keep you stable. It'll keep you hopeful. Amen? Now in Matthew 6 verse 22, notice this verse. It says, the light of the body is the eye. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be double. No, he says, if your eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of what? That whole body shall be full of light. Let me add this. Your mind will be full of light. Your relationships will be full of light. But you must keep your eye single. In other words, be single-minded with your eyes on your covenant. A single mind, dear friends, is a sound mind. That is anchored in your covenant with God, not moved, not changing. You see, to have no doubt in your life means not to change. I was sitting around a group of ministers one night and Brenda and I were in another town and you know, like ministers do, they talk and the ministers that I like to hang with talk good talk. They talk God talk. They don't talk bad talk about out of the ministers. Are you listening to me? No, the type of ministers I like to hang with are people that are familiar with their covenant and they're talking about their covenant and what God's already done. And then what God's about to do. That's expectation. Let me ask you something. Has God done something for you recently? Has God done something for you in the last 10 years? Do you think God's done yet? You think God's finished yet? No, No, our God's a good God. And he's able to do way out above and beyond anything and everything he's done in the past. So we're hanging around talking about what God's done. And then we're talking about the expectation of what he's about to do. When I think about the goodness of the Lord and what he's done and what he's about to do, this building is not big enough to hold me. When I think about what he's already done, I can run, I can shout. But when I see in my spirit what he's about to do, watch it, watch out. I'm a roadrunner baby. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go. And so we're discussing what the Lord's done. And one person testified about how that God provided a building for him. 
And we shouted with them. You know, if you can't shout for someone else's victory before you have your own victory, there's something wrong with your shouter. You know, my Bible says that we're to rejoice. Come on now. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we're to weep with those who weep. So when you get your victory, amen. Yeah, I want to see your new car. Yeah, I want to see your new house. Yeah, I want to see your new suit of clothes. I want to see your new hat. Amen. I want to see your new shoes. You know why? Because I'm happy about it because of my blood covenant ain't no respecter of persons. And what he's done for you, he'll do for me. So if you go out and show me your new car, and I don't care if it's a used car. If it's a new car to you, it's a new car to you. I may run around your car about a hundred times. Why are you so happy, Pastor? Because I'm next. Amen. I have an expectation. I'm next. God's that good. He's been good to you, but my God's no respecter of persons. Hey, you know what? The same covenant that you stood on, I'm standing on. So I'm going to get happy with you because you had your manifestations. You get happy with me because mine's on its way. Amen. That's the way we ought to be in Christ. Happy and blessed. Happy, not mad. Not all bummed out. Because someone got a raise and you didn't. If you can't rejoice over your brother's raise, you may never get a raise yourself. Oh, now I know I'm preaching something here today. Well, I just know they were at the bar last week. That's none of your business. You don't know what happened between this week and last week. They may have got over on the covenant and applied the blood and repented seriously and repented and said, I fall on the rock of my salvation. Well, I heard them use some slang word. Well, it's a good thing we ain't carrying a recorder right there on you. I'm telling you, my God is that good. He'll meet your need. He'll bless your socks off. And you don't know where socks, you don't wear socks, he'll bless your shoes off. Amen. He'll bless your hair off. He'll bless your wig off. I don't know. <laughs> Did something for you, Paul. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God's that good. Amen. We might as well have a little fun in church. It's all right. Get happy with those that are happy. Amen. And then weep with those who weep. I'm not talking about entering into any pity party down the road. Pity parties are different than a person weeping in God. But let's talk about rejoicing. And so we're sitting around there. We're hearing the reports of what God's done. Hallelujah. I'm happy about it. And then someone else testifies about what the Lord's doing. Then someone else stood up and said, this is what we're believing for. Then someone asked us, well, what are you believing for? And this is during the time we were going through our building project. How many remember the building project? It looked like we'd never make it. But you know, I serve the way maker. 
the covenant maker, the way maker, the one who makes a way. You know, the, you know the one, the one who makes a way where there is no way. We were kind of in that midst, in that time where, you know, we needed a vote from the city to ensure us to be able to have church here. And we needed money to get the loan. And, you know, in the natural realm, everything looked impossible. But Brenda and I stood up and said, but God. And this is what we as a church are believing for. This is what we have received by faith. And this is how it's going to be. You know what? Sometimes you got to put your stake in the ground. And I wasn't saying that to a bunch of swine. You understand? See, the the scripture warns you about casting your pearls before swine. Jesus wasn't around out there calling people swine. But he's saying, just don't blurt out everything you're believing for in front of people that don't know what you're talking about. Are you listening to me? They'll think you're nuts. They'll think you're crazy. Amen. But these people got happy with us. And if I told you the gentleman's name, you'd recognize him because he's on TV every day. And he looked at me with those piercing eyes as we were walking out the door. And he said something that changed my life. Because he knew what we were believing for. He looked at me and said, Mark, don't ever change. Don't ever change. You see... Doubt will cause us to change. It'll cause us to have two minds. One day up, one day down. The next day, you know, we don't know. But he said, don't ever change. And you know what? That stuck with me through our midnight hour. And by the grace of God, all of us endeavored to stay in faith and to stand on our covenant. And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He's brought us into a place we can call home. Because we didn't change and we didn't doubt. The word for you today is there's hope in your covenant. When doubts assail against the soul of your city, refuse to change. Stand stand steadfast. Stand fixed with your heart fully trusting the Lord. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. This is a little different than the first service was. But I want you to look at Romans, the fourth chapter. And I want us to begin in verse 19. Fully convinced. Everyone say fully convinced. convinced. Covenant confidence. confidence. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. That he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now in Romans the fourth chapter and the 19th verse. And I want us to look in the message version. This talks about Abraham and his life. You see Abraham received a promise. I want to ask you today. Has anybody here received any promises? Has anybody here. Is anybody here right now standing on the promises? Amen. Anybody here not seen yet the promise manifest? Okay, that's okay. Let's look and see what Abraham found. Let's discover what Abraham found. Because you see, Abraham had a divine appearance from the God El Shaddai. And he said, I've made a covenant with you. But how many of you know that just because you have a covenant, you've got to be patient? 
You see, it's through faith and patience that you and I will do what? That we will inherit the promises. Now notice with me in verse 19. It says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, It's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body never could father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. You see, doubt will cause you to analyze. Are you listening here? Doubt will cause you to reason. And analyzing and reasoning will always end up with discouragement. Somebody says, how do you know that? Because I've done it. I've analyzed and tried to reason certain things out. And I'm telling you what, at the end of the day, it comes down to trust. Trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy with Jesus than to trust and obey. So he didn't survey decades of infertility, nor did he give up. I love this. He didn't tiptoe around God's promises. Asking cautiously skeptical questions. Remember Tiny Tim? He tiptoed through the tulips. Right? You don't want to be a Tiny Tim Christian. Tiptoeing through the promises. No. Abraham didn't survey that. He didn't tiptoe, the Bible says. He didn't become skeptical. Well, what if God... No, the Bible says he plunged into the promise and he came up strong, ready for what? I want to exhort you this morning to plunge into the covenant. Plunge into the promises. Stop tiptoeing through the tulips. He plunged into the promise and he came up strong, ready for God. Sure that God would make good on what he said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also you. I'm going to read that again. It's not just Abraham, it's also you. It's also me. It's also us. Oh man. Oh man, this is shouting ground. He said the same thing gets said about you and me when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. It looked hopeless in the natural realm on Friday afternoon, didn't it? It felt hopeless on Saturday when the disciples were huddled together in fear. It felt hopeless on Saturday night when the rain was falling and the storm was descending upon them. But oh, on Sunday morning, the God of hope raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And it may seem hopeless in your life. You may go through some tough times, but I'm telling you, the God of hope is still alive today. And the Bible says that he will give you and I a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And friends, this hope will anchor your soul. So plunge plunge now into the promises of God. And then in closing, turn to 1 John chapter 5. 
Everyone say it with me. I have covenant confidence. I have covenant awareness. And my soul, my soul is anchored. My soul is anchored in the promise. Woo, glory to God. And you know what that brings into your life? That brings such a peace, doesn't it? That brings such a peace into your life. The Bible says for just like the waters of Noah's shall no more go over the land and cover the earth. He says, so shall my covenant of peace never depart from you. He says, my kindness is never going to leave you, never going to forsake you because I made a covenant of peace with my people. I don't know about you, but that helps me. You know what that, when, you, when my soul is anchored in my covenant, I can go to bed at night and not toss and turn. I can go to bed at night and not worry and be stressed. You know, in the book of Psalms, and we're going to get to 1 John, but he says, He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. In his days, the righteous are going to flourish. And abundance of peace is going to be yours as long as the moon endureth. There's abundance of peace available in this covenant. And notice with me in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. You want to be stable in an unstable world? Stand on his covenant. Let's everybody stand up right now as we look at this last verse. 1 John chapter 5. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Say with me, I got faith in the blood. Notice this. And this is the covenant confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, what does He do? Read the next verse with me. And if we know that He hear us, whatever we ask, We know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him. Somebody thank him today. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today's message? Raise both your hands. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name above every name, the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that we have a covenant with you. Let me just pray with you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that in the depths of our heart, that as we are more impacted and more fully persuaded by this covenant that we have with you, that nothing will throw us off. That we will remain stable. We will remain steadfast. And we will remain fixed upon the covenant that we have with you. We thank you, Lord, that we have a covenant of shalom, a covenant of great peace. Through the blood of your cross, We have peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're going to stop being agitated and disturbed. And we're going to allow this peace that passes understanding keep our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. Say this with me, Father. Father, I roll all my care care upon you. you. In the name of Jesus, I I take authority over doubts. Doubt. I demand you, you, get out. out. I bind you right now now. 
And I refuse to permit or to allow doubts in the city of my soul. I receive with an attitude of teachableness the covenant and the word of promise into my heart. Therefore, I declare boldly, I am full of peace. I do not have a care. I proclaim as the song was sung, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because love is on my side. And since love is for me, who can be against me? I thank you, Lord, that your covenant will not be broken, that you do not alter the things you have said in your word concerning me. Therefore, with great rejoicing and with great expectation, I believe that I receive all that you have provided for me. And I give you praise and honor and glory for it now in the name of Jesus. How to stay stable in an unstable world? Get your soul anchored in your blood covenant. Amen. Rise up with faith in the name of Jesus. Stay single-minded in your life will be better for it and your life will be enriched. Amen.